All right. Sorry about that, folks. I got glasses, and this transition from mask to unmask has gotten a lot harder with the microphone and glasses. Um, we're about to dive into our scripture for this morning uh, and get into the word. But first, we're going to have a children's sermon, uh, and then I'll bring you the word this morning. Hi, everybody. I'm glad you're watching. I'm going to tell you a story today from the Bible. But first, I want to ask you for some help. I mean, I think stories are much better with pictures. So I don't have any, and I'm going to ask you and me to to be the people who make the pictures with our hands and with our faces. So that's what we're going to do. I'm going to count to three. You're going to freeze. And then I'm going to say, okay, and you can break it. Now, I want to ask the adults to do this, too, because the more you get into the story, the more it gets into your heart. So there was a guy named Saul, and Saul was a guy who was very, very smart, but he was proud. He thought he knew everything, and he got really angry when people disagreed with him. So let's show this man, Saul, being really proud and being really angry in a freeze. One, two, three. Okay. Saul thought he knew how people were supposed to live for God. And he didn't think Jesus was real. And so when people started believing in Jesus, instead of following him and his laws, he got really mad. And he thought they were so wrong that they should just be thrown in jail. So he was going around throwing followers of Jesus in jail and even letting them get killed. So he's on his way to this town to to start this all over with those Christians. And he sees this super bright light. It's so bright he knows it's from heaven. And he's absolutely dazzled by it. So let's see what he looked like. One, two, three. He's freaked out by this light. He knows it's from heaven. So he says, who are you, Lord? And Jesus answers him. He says, I am Jesus who you're persecuting, which means picking on for just for who they are. And Paul's amazed at this. He, 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 he can't believe what he's hearing. Jesus says, go into the town and then I'll tell you what to do next. So Paul starts to open his eyes from the big light and he's completely blind, can't see a thing and his friends have to lead him into the city. So let's show him blind as a bat being led into the city. One, two, three. Yeah, he felt really out of control. So, he gets to the city. They're staying somewhere, and Paul starts to realize, Oh my gosh, I've been wrong about everything. I thought I knew everything, but I didn't know the most important thing, which is that Jesus is from God, and I've been hurting all of his people. So he was pretty freaked out. Let's have a picture of Paul, Saul, being completely freaked out. One two, three. Okay. So meanwhile, there's a guy named Ananias who lives in this city. He follows Jesus too. And Jesus shows up and talks to him as well. He says, Ananias, I want you to go find a man named Saul. I want you to pray for him and get his 
eyes healed. Let me heal his eyes through your prayers. Now, Ananias was really upset because he'd heard about Saul and he knew that Saul was coming to rip Christians out of their houses and throw them in jail and who knows what else. So he said, Lord, this guy's really been hurting people. I don't want to go pray for him. But Jesus said, go. I've chosen this man to take the good news about me all over the place. So Ananias went because he trusted God, he prayed for Saul, and as he was praying, little flaky things start falling off Saul's eyes, and he can see again. He was so relieved because he didn't know if he was going to be blind forever. So then he gets something to eat, he gets something to drink, he starts feeling better, and somewhere in there he realizes, wow, even though I did all those awful things, God loves me, and God has a plan for me. And that started to really sink in, and it began to make him really, really happy that he could be in God's family and that he was forgiven for everything. So let's show Saul being super happy because God loves him. One, two, three. Okay. Well, I hope you like that story. I love it because it, it, it proves that God loves everybody. Absolutely everyone. There's nothing anyone can do to make God stop loving them. And he is waiting to forgive people and to invite them into his family and to just love them. So I want you to remember that about for yourself, that he loves you that much and will forgive everything. And I want you to tell other people about it too. Okay? Bye, everybody. I got smarter. I put the mask on the outside this time. So that helped a little bit. Hey, if we haven't met before, my name is Samuel Mock. I'm the director of Next Generation and Streaming Ministries here. Uh, and it's my pleasure to bring you guys the word this morning. Um, so we've been in this series called Jesus Face to Face. And throughout this series, really what we're doing is we're looking at Jesus and his encounters with people and saying, okay, Jesus interacted with people this way. As the church, it's our responsibility to model Jesus and how he loved people and brought them to himself and ultimately to God. And so we're getting a picture of the ways Jesus did this, and then we're saying, all right, this is how we respond as well. I'm going to pray for us real quick, then we're going to dive into the scripture. Heavenly Father, I thank you that just as Colleen said, Lord, you are always making a way for us. Father, you... You love us, even the ones who feel undesirable, uh, unlovable, Lord. Even before we ever committed the thing that made us feel uh, as an outcast, Lord, you loved us. And you put your son on the cross for us so that we would know that. Lord, I thank you right now that even before I began this message, you were already preparing hearts. And ultimately that you will be speaking today. It's in your Holy Son, Christ Jesus' name that I praise you. And thank you. Amen. So when given this opportunity to preach on Jesus face-to-face, I picked a a weird message because if you know about the Bible in this, uh, we're going to be in Acts 9, and uh, we're talking about this thing called the unlikely convert is what a a lot of Bibles call it. It's about this man named Saul, uh, and at the time, 
he is going against the church. He's actually persecuting the church. Have you ever met somebody uh, who you thought, man, I know it's my responsibility as the church to share God with people, but that brother right there, he's too far gone. No, not, not him. See, he's down the wrong path. He's got a lot of things in his life that I just, I just don't think that he would be up to ever receiving Christ. See, I want to talk about that person today because I think a lot of times the church can keep those people at arm's length. And I want to talk to that person today because I'm sure that somebody is at home, maybe in here today, or maybe even listening days later, who has that thought, man, I really would like to go to church. I, I, would, I would like to learn about God, but there's no way God could love me. No, not after what I did. Not after I was a deadbeat dad. Not after I was an addict, addicted. No, he could never love me. Not me, a liar. Not me, a killer. No, he, could, he couldn't love me. There's no way he could possibly love me. See, I, I, I want to go to church, but the last time I went, I felt fake. I felt like I didn't belong. There's a few things in my life I have to clean up first. If I could just get these one or two things done in my life, yeah, yeah, then I, then I would go to church. Then, then I would feel like I belong there. I'm here to talk to that person today and say that you should not believe that lie that the devil has told you. Because way before you ever did that thing, God sent his son on the cross to die for you. Uh, and Jesus dying for our sins removes the guilt and shame that we were faced with. It clears our bank accounts of that debt uh, and allows us to be in relationship with God. And with that, you are now able to have that relationship with God and come into the church freely knowing that you are a son and daughter of Christ if you submit your life to him. Now, the church is probably like, he forgot to read the word. We're about to get out early. we go to lunch. We're going to beat the Baptist for sure. Um, no, I just needed to get that part out of the way. A lot of times uh, sermons are written for the church, and this one is. But I needed to speak first to the person who feels like they don't belong. Because I want them to know that this is for them as well. So let's dive into our scripture. Uh, Follow me to Acts 9. It's going to be on the screens. It'll also be, uh, if you want to, flip to your Bibles or your cell phones um, or whatever device you use. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for a letter to the synagogue in Damascus, so that if he found anyone who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as a prisoner to Jerusalem. So I want to give you guys a quick Bible study lesson uh, anytime that you're in the Bible, you're reading, and you see a chapter start out with the words like, meanwhile, therefore, or but then, uh, we have to look back to the previous chapters to understand what exactly it is talking about and what uh, the significance is, uh, because it's going to directly relate to what you're reading. So jump back with me to Acts 7, 54 to 8, 1. At this, they covered their ears, yelling at the top of their voices. They all rushed him, dragging him out of the city, and began to stone him. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. 
While they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell to his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold their sins against them. When he had said this, he fell asleep and Saul approved of their killing him. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. So we see uh, in these verses here that the Sanhedrin had just stoned a minister of the word named Stephen. Uh, and with it, Paul is there approving. And so as we jump back into Acts 9-1, uh, I'll read that verse again with its context. Meanwhile, Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus. So if he found anyone who belonged to the way, whether man or woman, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. So I don't want us to miss this. Saul witnesses the stoning of a minister of the word and then becomes or decides to take it upon himself to engage in persecuting the church. He wanted to become something like a bounty hunter, uh, to go into synagogues and houses and take the people who believed in the way, which is just what they called at the time believing in Jesus, and bring them back to Jerusalem so that they may face the same fate. See, uh, to give clarity to who Saul is, he was a Pharisee, which meant he was a teacher of the law at that time. Um, basically like a, a preacher of the Old Testament. And as we know, the Old Testament is pointing to who Jesus is. Uh, there's many prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. And even as Saul studied the Old Testament, that was his life's work, he missed God. He's in the Word daily, but he's not submitted. And I just look at this, and I, I felt a warning uh to me as well to, as to the church, that we can be in the word, we can be in the church, and we can still miss God if we're not submitted. All right, let's pick it back up at Acts 9.3. We're going to be going through a lot of verses today. I ask you to buckle in, keep your reading glasses on, uh, but it's going to be good. As he, he being Saul, near Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up, go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sounds, but, not, but did not see anyone. So really quick, uh, as we're looking at how Jesus interacts with people, I want to point out something. Uh, Jesus says Saul's name twice. Saul, Saul. In Hebrew culture, this is an expression of intimacy. So while Saul is murdering uh, and, and persecuting the church, Jesus comes to him tenderhearted and lovingly. That's how the church is supposed to respond. To people who we don't agree with their lifestyle, we don't agree with their behavior, but we're still supposed to come to them tenderhearted and loving. Picking back up at Acts 8. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could not see anything. So they led him by the hand into Damascus for three days. 
He was blind and did not eat or drink anything. All right, uh, real quick, I want to break down this too. It's a quick little Bible study lesson. Anytime you see the number three, know that it has significance. It has importance within the Bible. Um, the number three in the Bible is pointing to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's three days in between his death and resurrection. In this case, it's Saul who is being spiritually dying and then resurrecting. Uh, God is doing a new thing within him. So Acts 9.10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him, called to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarshish named Saul. For he is praying in a, in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hand on him to restore his sight. Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. I want to pause here. Because we see that Ananias is nervous. He's reluctant. God has given him a command. And he's like, ah, Lord, but, but you know about him, right? Like, you know what he's done. Ananias is scared and for good reason. Saul had a reputation. Saul had authority to imprison him. Saul was on a mission to find people like him and take him back to Jerusalem uh, so that he may face the same fate as Stephen. The thing is, though, as Ananias is having this interaction with God, he's like, Lord, uh, I don't know if you know, but this guy, Saul, he's a bad dude, as if God didn't already know. See, I kind of look at him and like, uh, Back when my mom would tell me to do something, I'm like, ah, but I, I, I will, but I'm doing this thing right now. Like, she couldn't see me playing video games. She's like, take out the trash. And I'm like, ah, I, I can't right now. I got to do this. I got to do that. Uh, he's kind of whining about what he's being called to do. And I wonder, I wonder if we've ever, ever been there. See, there's been times where God has told me, share your faith. And I'm like, oh, God, like, you know I would. I would go and I'd pay for that lady's gas uh, and tell her Jesus loves you and begin to talk to her about the way that he loves her. But you know my money been a little funny. See, I haven't got my stimulus check yet. Or the Lord would be like, hey, I need you to spend a little extra time with this person today. They really need to hear from me. And I'd be like, I... See, God, but I already had a plan, like, time is running up, and my fiancé, we got a date, so, you know, I, I got to stick to that. Uh, I got some things on the schedule. I apologize, God, but, like, next time, oh, I got you. Like, next time, but right now, I got, I got to go. Have you ever been there? Like... You know what God is commanding you to do, but your own priorities get in the way. Because I think that, that this is where 
Ananias is. He's got good reason to fear, uh, but it doesn't negate the command that God has put on him. And so he's afraid, and our reasons never look like I may be stoned. They more look like I may be late, I may be hungry, I may be sleepy, but not I may be stoned. I want to jump back into Acts uh, 15. But the Lord said, go, this man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their king and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hand on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. After taking some food, he regained his strength. Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. See, everything we have been reading up until this point has been leading to this. Um, see, because Ananias, he had his reservations about Saul. He knew Saul had a reputation. He had good reason for not wanting to go to Saul. But I love that as God responds and tells him go, we see that is what he does. Uh, he had his priorities, but God said go, and so he did. See, Ananias traded in his reservations to be a part of God's plan for restoration. All right, so it's story time. I like to tell stories uh, to give basically like a background into who I am, as well as to paint a picture for today. So there was this young man in my Bible study uh, when I was in college, and uh, the Bible study started out strong. It was great. Twelve guys, I put up flyers around the dorm, and I was like, man, I might get like two, three guys. Who knows? I'm just trying to be faithful to what the Lord is calling me to do. Uh, and 12 guys showed up. I'm psyched. I'm like, 12 guys? I can't believe it. I got my own disciples. Uh, and then slowly but surely, guys start falling off one after another after another until there is one. This guy's name is Spencer. And uh, Spencer and I really didn't have anything in common. We're very different people. And uh, honestly, I felt it hard to really communicate with Spencer because we didn't share anything in common, but also his communication style was different than mine. See, anytime we were diving into the scriptures, he liked to argue with me. And I'm like, come on, man. Like, you want to be a part of this Bible study. You say you come here to learn, yet you're arguing with me about everything. Um, and as me and Spencer are going back and forth, I'm like, God, like, what is happening? Like, why? Like, I want to throw in the towel. I'm tired, Lord. Like, I have all this on my schedule. I come here trying to do your work. And I'm faced with this complexity of this man who wants to fight with me about everything from start to finish as we get into this Bible study. And uh, can you throw that photo of me and Spencer up on the beach uh, on the screens here? This is me and Spencer a year and a half 
into this Bible study. We're on a mission trip, hanging out. Uh, this is one of the nights we had off. Uh, we went to this little beach nearby. And uh, on that mission trip, Spencer accepted Christ. Uh, his life has changed forever. See, when I didn't have the vision for it, I wanted to throw in the towel. God said, continue with my work. Spencer accepted Christ, and I found out that the way Spencer's mind works is things have to make sense. And I don't know if you've ever felt like God didn't make sense in a moment of your life, but that's what Spencer was facing. Um, so Spencer now is seeking to understand classes, learning so that he could be a pastor one day. And specifically, he wants to teach in the form of apologetics, which is the, the type of preaching where you make the Bible make sense to people uh, who need it to make common sense, right? Uh, it's where you prove who Jesus is. And so when I thought Spencer was fighting with me, he was wrestling with God. And so all this time I'm like, God, I really want to throw in a towel. And I wasn't even doing the heavy lifting. Church, this is our role to be multiplying through passionate labor as we love those who the world discounts by showing them Christ. I want to pick back up in Acts 9, 19. Saul spent several days there with the disciples in Damascus. At once he began preaching in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, Isn't this the man who raised havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on this name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests? After many days he had gone by, after many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took, but Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoke to him. And now in Damascus, he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarshish. Then the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and strengthening, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit in Numbers. See, this is the second time that Saul meets Christians with a reservation about him. But because of the testimony of one man, he's able to step into the calling on his life. We must be that kind of church. We must be that kind of church where we see who people are in Christ. See, I don't want us to look at people for their past or their present, but who they could be with God at work in them. We must be a church that has vision to see 
who people could be in Christ. See, without Ananias or Barnabas, who knows what Saul's life would have looked like. But because of their faithfulness, he was able to step into his purpose. I want to tell you one more story. This story is about a man named Matthew, uh, who was placed in charge of a ministry in his time. Uh, and he had heard about this young man uh, that he had been getting to know. People said, I don't know about that brother. He's got a sketchy past. People had warned Matthew about this guy. He said, man, that guy, he lives for the party life. Oh, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't spend a lot of time with that guy. But see, Matthew had felt like the Lord was telling him to let this young man lead his ministry. Uh, and as Matthew continued to walk with this young man, he realized that, oh, what I'm hearing is true, but it's this young man's past. It's not his present or what God is doing in him now. Will you throw that photo of me and Matthew up there on the screen? See, because when Matthew decided to put me in charge of his ministry, people was like, oh, that's a, that's a mistake. I will tell you right now, I, I, I warned you that that's, like, that's not going to go well. Uh, and I continued to lead that ministry faithfully uh, for six months as assigned. And see, that ministry actually led to me coming here. It was uh, my role in that ministry leading 150 young adults on a weekly basis that led to me getting this job. See, because Matthew's test turned into my testimony. We have to be that kind of church. We, the church, are called to be people who help people in Christ reach purpose. Just as Matthew did for me and how Ananias and Barnabas did with Saul. And the guy Saul we've been talking about, uh, into his story is that he went on to become the Apostle Paul, who was traditionally credited with writing 13 books of the Bible. Today, scholars say for sure they know that he wrote seven of those 13. So I'll close with this. Uh, if you're listening today and you're not in relationship with Christ, something's been holding you back to where you felt like you couldn't surrender your life to Jesus, where you felt like uh, now wasn't the right time you needed to clean things up, I want you to know that Saul had great sin in his life. I had great sin and still have sin in my life. But God desires to use the broken. And so, if that is you today, and you have not committed your life to Christ, know that there's no better day than today. Uh, and anybody on the staff, as well as our prayer team, would love to talk to you and lead you in the prayer of accepting the Lord as your Lord and Savior. Now to the church. Today is the day that we vow to be that kind of church. The church reaching the lost for Jesus Christ and helping new believers mature in their walk in order so that they may reach their purpose. So my last question for you is who is God leading you to on this road to restoration? Bow your heads and I'll pray us out. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that you step into our messy lives 
and give us a message that you um, look past who we are in our sin and you see your Lord, I thank you that uh, your grace extends to all people. Lord, I thank you that uh, even now, as we continue to, to miss the mark, to sin, Lord, your love is abundant. I thank you for your son on the cross and for all that you've done for us this week and every week in front of today. It's in your Holy Son, Christ Jesus' name that I pray these things. Amen.